today's podcast broadcast. I'm Lisa Tuggle, and this is Evangelination, evangelizing the nation for the best and brightest future of our country, our world, and our eternal souls. And what could be more important than that? You know, I'd be remiss today if I did not mention that we are right now in the midst of Catholic Evangelism Boot Camp, a seven-week experience that includes deep reflections on our Catholic faith, and specifically the creed we profess. And we look at all this through the lens of our modern culture today. You know, what light does the creed shed on the moral, personal, and social questions and constructs of our time? You know, the faith is evergreen, ever new, applicable at every time and in all ages and generations for the elevation and sanctification of human life and of all life on the planet. You know, as St. Paul says in his letter to the Ephesians, We exist for the praise of God's glory. And you know, we are happiest when we are joining all of creation in this wonderful cosmic hymn of praise to our creator. So um, we have had some epic discussions in our boot camp uh, on our Catholic faith. And these discussions and so much more are available to you when you register for Catholic Evangelism Boot Camp. Just go to paulinecommunityofstjoseph.org, that's stjoseph.org, and go to the tab that says Learn. Click on the Learn, and you'll have a drop-down menu, and you'll find Catholic Evangelism Boot Camp right there. Just click on that, and uh, click through, and um, when you register, you'll immediately um, get some uh, emails that will uh, invite you to our website portal where you can uh, log in and access all the training. And you can also um, join our live sessions, which continue uh, to be uh, conducted every Tuesday and Wednesday of the week. So uh, we are studying the creed and its intersection with the conundrums and grapplings with faith that we and our family members, friends, and acquaintances may be struggling with right now. You know, you know who you are. And, and we are gathering together to support one another in reaching out to those people in our spheres of personal influence in order to bring them back to the faith, to bring them the good news of divine revelation and the truths of the Catholic faith as taught in the catechism. You know, we want to bring all of this to those around us who will receive it. And, you know, it's such a great and precious treasure we have in our faith. It is our hope, future glory. It is a light to guide us throughout our journey on earth and indeed forever in the afterlife. So what we learn here on earth is only going to elevate uh, what we are able to penetrate and know in the afterlife. We, we're, we're, when we die, when our bodies you know, cease uh, to function properly, we're going to continue in our consciousness and in our uh, conscience. And so let's form that really well right now because it's only going to be for our greater joy uh, later as well as now. So memente, me, memento mori, as the daughters of St. Paul are proclaiming in a big way right now in these times. Memento mori just means remember your death. 
you know, it's not meant to be morbid here, but simply just to be sobering so that we can live to the fullest our God-given potential as human beings endowed with faculties of intellect, memory, and will, and affective genius. Some people call that emotional intelligence. And we do all this really well when we are connected, plugged in to the source of all things, and that is God. And specifically, uh, God manifests to us in Christ Jesus, the face of the Father, appearing to us by the breath of the Holy Spirit through uh, the Virgin Mary. And um, uh, Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit, together with the Father, our Trinitarian Lord, uh, inspires us and leads us to greatness together. So our Lord loves you and loves me. He loves us. And this is truly uh, who he is. He is the heart of a father. And uh, so I invite you to join us in boot camp to learn more about this. And together, let us get that fire burning on the earth that Jesus Christ spoke about. That is the fire of faith, the fire of love, the fire of truth, the fire of evangelization. You know, you are invited right now, today. Join us in becoming a Catholic evangelist. The world needs you. Okay, well, today uh, we are continuing with our reading of um, Blessed James Alberioni's book, Mary, Hope of the World. And we say that because, you know, all the world was uh, waiting on the other side of Mary's obedience, right? If she hadn't said, yes, uh, may it be done to me according to your word, to the angel Gabriel, would she have conceived Jesus Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit in her womb, the Savior that would come and save us all from our sins and restore all of creation and all of humanity and, and give us an opportunity and a way out of sin? So Mary is a, is a, a personage that is uh, uh, very close to each one of us, and um, let's thank her for her role in salvation history. And let's do that by reflecting on uh, the mysteries of her life. And this mystery today, uh, we're looking at the uh, chapter 11 in Blessed El Barioni's book, and this is the losing and finding of Jesus. So this is a, a powerful moment in the, in the lives of everyone in the Holy Family. Um, so let's uh, listen now to what Blessed El Barioni has to say. The Losing and Finding of Jesus The boy Jesus was advancing in grace before God and men in the little home of Nazareth with Mary, his mother, and Joseph, his foster father. And Jesus advanced in wisdom and age and grace before God and men. Luke 2.52 Mary regarded with great delight this her son, quote, beautiful above the sons of men, Psalm 44.3 the most modest, the best, and most affectionate. O oh, fortunate mother, with her she had that son whose boyhood was a wonder of beauty and goodness. Jesus worked with his foster father and received a fitting education. As soon as he reached the age of 12, the boy Jesus was taken to Jerusalem for the feast of the Passover. And at that age, in fact, a Hebrew boy became a son of the law, responsible for his own acts. For the first time on the Sabbath, he was called before the sacred volumes of the law to bless the eternal God for having chosen the Hebrew people as the custodian 
of his law. Therefore, Mary had the joy of witnessing this entrance of Jesus into the temple of Jerusalem. A sorrowful episode occurred, however, which reminded her that her son was destined for a mission that demanded painful separations. After the seven days of the feast were over, Mary and Joseph started out on their return trip, but Jesus remained in Jerusalem without their noticing it. On the day of departure, all was a turmoil of shouting men, of guides rushing here and there, of caravans setting forth, and with great difficulty, groups banded together and set out on the journey. After a few miles, however, the first stop was made for needed rest. It was then that family members reunited and Mary and Joseph succeeded in finding one another. As their glances met, their hearts began to beat fearfully. Silence sealed their lips, and the same questions shook them immediately. Where was Jesus? Anxiously, they hurried from group to group. Neither relatives nor friends, however, had seen their son. Perhaps Jesus was somewhere with friends, met at the feast. He would appear at any moment, but... Night fell and Jesus did not arrive. Trembling in anguish, Mary and Joseph returned to Jerusalem in search of their treasure. They questioned the city guards, the women going to the fountain, the porters and beggars, but no one had seen their son. Finally, after three days of searching, they found him in the temple, seated among the doctors, listening to them and asking them questions while all who were listening to him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. That's Luke 2.47. The Blessed Virgin stopped, and so did Joseph. They would have liked to rush to him, embrace him, and kiss him, but something mysterious restrained them. They had searched for him in mortal anguish, believing that he too was searching for them. Instead, they found him occupied with other matters, as though he had no need of them. He was seated among the doctors of the law, listening to them and questioning them, filling them with wonder at his discerning questions and wise answers. The sorrowful Mary called out to him, exclaiming, Son, why hast thou done so to us? Behold, in sorrow thy father and I have been seeking thee. Calmly and serenely, Jesus replied, How is it that you sought me? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? Luke 2, 48-49 Before Joseph, whom Mary called the father of Jesus, the heavenly boy referred to his other father, his true father, and to his inscrutable rights. He had come into the world to do his father's will and to save mankind. I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. John six thirty eight. Not yet understanding the entire greatness of the mission entrusted to Jesus, Mary kept all these things carefully in her heart. Luke two fifty one. With his example, Jesus taught that for love of God's kingdom, we must know how to detach ourselves from our parents and all those whom we love. Quote, and he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was subject to them. Luke 2, 51. 
There are many lessons which could be reaped from this episode. The choice of one's vocation, the search for Jesus when one loses him through sin, and obedience to the Heavenly Father. We shall mention, however, one thing only. In life, there are many mysterious events, events that God permits for our good, for our spiritual progress. There is progress and retrogression, fervor and discouragement, and even painful falls, because of which some souls exclaim, But why, O Jesus, do you permit this? Just as Mary said, My son, why have you done so to us? In such circumstances, we must love Jesus, love him deeply, and believe that what happens, happens because of a divine disposition, and that it is for our own good. Let us fear ourselves and confide in God, trusting in his divine grace. When Jesus enriches us with benefits and attracts us, let us think that it is grace working in us. When we are tempted, let us think that it is our own frailty. Let us humble ourselves for our part, and let us elevate ourselves on high through union with Jesus. We must not expect our reward upon this earth. God permits so much suffering so as to offer us opportunities for gaining merits. Let us think of what we would have liked to have done when we are at the point of death. Let us choose that which costs us the most. These are precious rules for successfully overcoming life's obstacles and difficulties. Now here, Blessed Alberioni includes a thought from St. Bernard of Clairvaux. He writes, In dangers, in difficulties, and in trials, think of Mary. Call on Mary. May her name always be on your lips. May it always be engraved upon your heart. And now we have a look at the life of St. Alphonsus Rodriguez. One of Mary's greatest devotees was St. Alphonsus Rodriguez. On July 25th, 1531, Alphonsus was born in Segovia, an industrial and commercial city of Old Castile. As a child, he showed his devotion to Mary, a devotion which ever increased with the passing of the years. After a somewhat turbulent life, he recognized in his trials God's voice, calling him to the Jesuits, and he answered promptly. He repented of his past life and armed himself with the powerful weapons of penance and prayer. And Mary showed him, even in a tangible way, how much this pleased her. When his two years as a novice were completed in a most exemplary manner, Alphonsus was permitted to take his vows in religion. He made it a practice to honor the Blessed Virgin by the daily recitation of the Rosary, of the Office of the Immaculate, of the Litany, of twelve Hail Holy Queens and twelve Hail Marys, with the intention of sanctifying the hours of the day and night. The Hail Mary became as his breath, his most spontaneous ejaculation, so much so that after his death, 
they discovered that the thumb and index finger of his right hand were calloused from his continuous fingering of the beads. Furthermore, he had made a pact with his guardian angel to the effect that while he slept, the angel would recite the Hail Mary so that the salutation to his queen would not cease. He progressed daily in the virtues of prayer and of mortification, and these virtues led him to the highest and continuous union with God, so that at times, just by saying, Lord, or my beloved is with me and I am with him, he would become rapt in ecstasy. However, that which made of Alphonsus a hero and martyr were the great temptations with which the Lord tried him, and which he, as a valiant soldier, successfully overcame. Alphonsus's zeal for the salvation of souls was immense. He prayed incessantly for the missionaries and preachers of his society. His writings, full of great love of God, were also the instruments of his zeal. After a life expanded for the Lord, and after an ecstasy of three consecutive days, Alphonsus flew to his loves, as he habitually called Jesus and Mary, pronouncing their adorable names for the last time. On January 15, 1888, Pope Leo XIII numbered him among the saints, the reward promised to all who are devoted to Mary. Well, Blessed Alberioni ends this chapter with this beautiful prayer. O Virgin most pure, by your motherly heart, so full of anguish at the loss of your dear Jesus, obtain for me the virtue of charity and the gift of knowledge. Well, that is all we have time for today. Um, thank you for uh, tuning in to this brief retreat podcast broadcast. Um, I hope you're enjoying it. Feel free to uh, send me a, a, a note letting me know that. I'd love to hear from you. You can reach me at lisa at paulinecommunityofstjoseph.org. That's lisa at paulinecommunitystjoseph.org. Well, that's all we have time for today. Um, I hope you have a blessed and beautiful week, and we'll uh, be back together next time. Bye now. Thank you.